When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Hockey. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite. It's Judd's Hockey Show. And welcome in to another edition of Judd's Hockey Show, a unique situation this week because I'm down in uh, Fort Myers covering Twin Spring Training and uh, Declan Goff back in studio. And Declan, I am such a sick hockey fan. You are that sick. When I, yeah. That when I got uh, back to the condo in which I'm staying, which is Patrick Royce's down here at Fort Myers last night, I actually watched the Blues and the Panthers game. Oh, my God. And, and it was pretty good. Panthers, you know, I love this league. You really don't know from night to night who the hell is going to show up. Florida's this fringe playoff team, right? And there's been talk about, man, they're falling apart. And like you said all year, you know, Bob bottomed out, didn't play well. Yeah, he's bad. The, the Florida Panthers, as I speak to you, and we are recording this on Tuesday afternoon. And, of course, if you're listening on Score North at 1500 Tuesday evening, we appreciate that, or via the podcast. Uh, the Florida Panthers are one point out of a playoff spot. The Eastern Conference wild card goes like this. Columbus with 81 points is the number one wild card. Carolina is at 79 points. They're the number two wild card because they have more wins than the Islanders who are out of the playoffs with 79 points, 78 points for the Panthers, 76 points for the Rangers. And so you say, well, that's crazy. And then you go to the wild card in the Western Conference, Declan Goff, and you've got the Jets who won on Monday night at 78 points. So they're atop the wild card standings. Number two, of course, now, is the Wild, which won on Sunday and doesn't play again until Thursday. Vancouver, which could pass the Wild before the Wild plays again, is at 76 points, tied with Nashville at 76. Um, Arizona's at 74. Chicago is at 70. It is what I would call, Declan, wild card chaos. Oh, it is. It absolutely is. And even our friends at Money Puck, who uh, do the playoff odds for all the NHL teams, and they factor in these games, Judd. You know, after a team plays and games in hand and the remaining schedule, this, this, and that. Currently, though, the Wild are up top. They have the best odds among all those teams you listed to make the playoffs at 74%. Vancouver just at 48%. Uh, Winnipeg at 39%. Arizona at 20%. Nashville 39 So the Wild, the next closest team to them is Vancouver. 20% less chance to make the postseason. Now, things can go haywire in hockey because we saw that the Wild team, what, had playoff odds of probably on life support not even a month ago. But uh, currently as it stands... The odds makers still have the Wild being that top wild card team, which would mean uh, you would most likely get the Pacific Division team, which I'm curious to know. But but the Wild taking care of business on the West Coast for the most part, 
They almost went it well, it almost was a disastrous trip, Judd Zolgat, if it was yeah, not it was. for Yeah, thank you, Declan. For our guy, Kevin Fiala, literally taking his stick. I think he took Zuccarello's stick, Judd, and he took that big long stick that Zuccarello uses and he dragged all 18, 19 men to two points in that overtime heroic. Yeah, so we went into that road trip, which was San Jose, the Kings on Saturday, the Ducks on Sunday, and I said, give me all six points or at least five of six. Yeah. You got four of six, and to your point, it was nearly a disaster because the game on Sunday, the Wild didn't play well, and Fiala said, okay, that's fine. You're playing poorly. I'll win this game single-handedly for you. But, yeah, let's start there. And I feel like we're beating the Kevin Fiala storyline to death, but I also feel like we can't talk about it enough because it's been so impressive. But those two goals, and especially the uh, power play overtime game-winning goal on Sunday that he scored, which was four on three, he is shooting the puck, and he is making plays that I would say very few people, maybe Gabrick in wild history, and this is a 20-year history basically, mm-hmm. could make. I mean, you're, we're seeing Kevin Fiala game after game, night after night now, do things that we have as, as hockey aficionados like we are in Minnesota, we have longed to see as the Wild trapped against teams or had guys, you know, God bless Zach Parise, but he's just a hard worker. Mm-hmm. Kevin Fiala has skills that we have rarely, rarely been privy to in Minnesota. And just go back to that overtime against the Kings where Fiala's entering the zone. I forget who, I think it was Manson, who had no choice but to hook him. I mean, at that point, you hook him. You'll take the penalty because you know he's been so dang good that he's probably going to score if we give him open ice. So he hooks him. They set up the face-up draw. Now it's four on three because it's in the overtime period. Fiala takes the puck that Cunnan won, but there was garbage in front, and the, and the, and the Ducks could have easily won that draw and pushed the puck back down the other way. He sends it to Suter. Suter, I believe, then right back to Fiala, who has what? A half inch between the glove side and the hip of Ryan Miller, who may not be the goaltender he used to be, but I still think is a pretty capable goalie. He finds a spot, picks and shoots and scores, and literally, yeah, drag that team to two points. And, I, yeah, I, I don't have any problem talking about this, kid, Judd. If we really wanted to, we could go another 45 minutes here talking about the amazement of Kevin Fiala because watching him develop right now is nothing short of sensational. He is Derek Wetmore, Rami Makhlouf, CC, the best star in this town, and I can't be told otherwise. He's on a superstar track for sure. If, if he's not there, if you want to say slow your roll, which is fine, you could say that. But this kid has superstar talents. Um, let me ask you this, too. Where do we have to rank this potentially? And I know it's this season, okay? And I know it's uh, it's he's become incredibly hot in the last few months. But when you see what Kevin Fiala is doing, it doesn't feel like a fluke. It doesn't feel like it's going to disappear. Where is this potentially right now? Uh, where does it rank among, and, you know, it's Paul Fenton, but where does it rank among trades? Because Paul Fenton, Paul Fenton got fleeced in the Zuccarello contract, bad, awful contract. Um, the Nino trade, although we can certainly talk about Victor Rask, the Nino trade didn't work out. But it, with what Fenton is, or what uh, Fiala, excuse me, is delivering right now, this looks like one of the better trades. And I'm talking across the four men's professional sports teams that we follow. This looks like one of the better trades that we have seen. Because, again, we are at a month or multiple months we're at a stretch here where he continually puts this team on his back. That's different than just being good. He is under pressure in situations where you say to yourself, 
they're not going to win against the Ducks. He's basically like, mm-hmm. oh, no, we're going to win, and here's how, and I'm going to win it. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable, Judd. I'm trying to rack the brain, and I think a few of the trades that come to mind, and mostly the uh, in the Terry Ryan era, was probably uh, obviously the A.J. Pierzynski for Joe Nathan. I believe that that, and, and Boof Bonzer, I believe, was part of that trade. And Lariano. And Lariano. That, that was a great fleecing. That's a great trade. That was the Giants, yeah. Um, the Knobloch trade ended up being pretty even, I think, right? I mean, the Twins ended up getting, I believe, Guzman and Koski. In both cases, too, you got quite a bit back, which was great. But I'm trying to think of just a straight one-for-one, one, you know? I mean, the the trade that Terry made, and this guy was not a superstar, but he certainly helped that Twins team, was the Shannon Store trade. Yep, that's another good one. Which was Bobby Kilty got traded, and Kilty was was an early analytics darling. So the analytics people were all like, this guy's incredible. And then Shannon Stort got to the Twins and was, and was fantastic. But Kevin Fiala and... I understand I'm excited here, and maybe in a year I'll be like, how could I have said that? <laughs> Kevin Fiala seems to me like he is a sustainable superstar talent. Right. I think so too, Judd. I think he's exactly what the Wild have been lacking, and, and the the best part about this is is now it just enhances the idea of Kirill Kaprizov coming over here, and now the Wild don't just have one dynamic young forward who can possibly uh, be a game-breaker and game-changer for him. Now they're probably going to have two. And that's probably the most important part is Kevin Fiala is not messing around right here. And I think it is sustainable. What I like is his confidence. He is oozing confidence, not just on the play, uh, but his, his comments off the ice. I know sometimes he can give you your cliche hockey answer and, you know, that's just hockey. But the way that he talks about himself and about his game, how he took accountability that he said, I was awful against the Kings. I stunk. I believe he was a minus four. That was a gong show of a game. And he comes back on Sunday, scores a goal in regulation, and then the overtime goal, I love the accountability from him. I think that's what's most important. Yeah, I mean, the 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 play of his has is, is been sensational, but I think it's on the other end, too, that I've been even more impressed. Agreed. Um, all right, so the West Coast road trip, what did we learn? We learned that, explain to me how after being a healthy scratch, I believe the statistic I heard on Sunday, and I might be wrong here, but I believe it was 15 to 17 games. Explain to me the Victor Rascal on Sunday night. Oh, my gosh. Like where, yes, he had been a healthy scratch. In fact, they said this on the Ducks broadcast, 15 to 17 games. Explain to me where Victor Rask gets that move from. And is Victor Rask, does he secretly have sort of good hands, but he just can't skate? And we're so biased against him because he can't skate that that's all we see? So our friend Pat Micheletti, who is a fan of the show and a fan of you and I, obviously, because who isn't? Um, he tweeted me too and said, are you surprised by he was able to do that? Absolutely. I was surprised where the hell has that been? I mean, he was a 20 goal scorer in Carolina, but those were some pretty bad hurricanes teams, man. And I also think he was just a product of a top line player, you know, kind of like anyone right now on the Ottawa senators, or even some cases right now with uh, the red wings and the devils who are playing a bit better. I mean, these teams are so bad that you give someone 16, 17 minutes a night. Well, he's obviously just naturally going to produce for you. But that Victor Rascal, we have not seen that kind of player come here in Minnesota, uh, that kind of Victor Rask here in Minnesota ever. Oh. And it's probably, and look, they gave him so much room, and rightfully so. If I, if I was a defender on the Ducks and I saw Victor Rask streaking in, I, I'm going to give him as much realist. You know what, Victor? Here you go. Here's the entire crease. I, I'm going to trust Ryan Miller. I'll also sell out to block a shot. Go for it, buddy. And Victor Rask toe drags right in the middle of the slot and then delivers a great goal. If that's the way he's going to play, I'm all for him staying in the lineup. But obviously once Eric Stahl returns, which I'm guessing he probably should be back by the Vegas game, I know he was 
away from the ice due to a family issue. But obviously, if Stahl comes back, Rask probably slides right back out because you're not taking out Miko. Um, so, I mean, he, he did his job, but I'm not definitely going to reward him for more playing time just because of that goal. I agree with you. I just want to know, know where the goal came I, from. I, I don't, just, I don't know. I man. saw. I was watching on my computer down here in Florida. I'm like, oh, wait, wait, wait. Is something wrong? Is there a computer glitch here? <laughs> Is that really Victor Rask who just made that play? Because it was a gorgeous goal. And, yeah, it's against the Ducks, and the Ducks aren't very good. But I almost don't care. All right. We also learned on this trip, and this I, – I take no joy in saying this, Declan, because it's just too bad, and he's had a, a very rough year on and off the ice. Um, we are to the point, depending on what the Wild truly wants, but if they truly want to be a playoff team, and, my God, it's looking like they could be. I, I don't know what else to say. Devin Dubnik is borderline unplayable, Declan. I, I don't see – the game that he had against the Ducks, he's again allowing weird sort of fluky goals. Um, I just, when I watch him play, and I know that Stalock got shelled against the Kings uh, on Saturday, and I've heard some people say, well, he didn't play that well. Well, first of all, I thought a lot of those goals were not on Stalock. But okay. beyond that, above and beyond that, personally, if you really want to make the playoffs, I don't know how much and when Dubnik can play because – I know he hadn't played in a while, and I know he's going to say, well, I was just I was getting my wits about me again. But the way the season has gone, there's just a lot of things trending towards, I don't know if he could consistently stop hockey pucks. I know, and that's the sad part. And What did we talk about going into the California series, Judd, was, all right, how do you get Dubnik time? And please, for the love, and we were kind of begging for it, right? I mean, we kind of said, you can't afford to do this Alex Stalock uh, for the lack of a better word, Devin Dubnik-like plan where you run him out for 39 consecutive games. you got to figure out a time to get him some rest. You had three bottom feeders in the Western Conference, so you thought, oh, perfect. Dubnik's for sure going to get one of these. It's a back-to-back. He should be able to get in. And that game on Sunday, and he, you know what? He played better in the third. I'll give him a little credit. He locked in a little bit in the third period, but those goals that he allowed, oh, I mean, those were Dubnik to a T. Am I wrong, Judd? I, I know the Brodeen one was basically an own goal, those are the kind of goals that have really plagued Dubnik, and it's hard to get comfortable when you're not playing. I know any goaltender will tell you the same. And also, when things aren't right mentally, just like a quarterback, it affects everything. And the quarterbacks and goalies are looped in that same bunch. of It's between the ears almost as what is more important than your actual ability. And for Devin Dubnik right now, Judd, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked at all. I believe the Wild have off the top of my head here, just guessing, I'll be 13 games left. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Dubnik maybe gets in three of them. I mean, I, I don't really understand. I don't see any other scenario where he gets in more than three times if the Wild really want to lock up the top wild card spot. Yeah, and there's just too many weird goals. There's too many things where. Uh, now, if you didn't have playoff hopes or you didn't care, I might play him some. But yeah, the guy that we saw on Sunday, it's just the Wild is, I, I think we can say now unequivocally, the Minnesota Wild like it or not, is a different team with Alex Stalock in goal and Devin Dubnik in goal. Oh, yeah. I don't think there's an argument there. And, yes, Saturday did not go well for Stalock. But think about the amount of games before that that did go well. And they had a clunker in that game against the Kings, who, by the way, I think have won something like seven consecutive games as we record this. So they're playing well. But all of that being said, this team, as far as Stalock's ability to get the team into transition that we've talked about a lot before because he can play the puck, um, the things that – the intangibles that Stalock brings. This team just seems to be 
a much better team. This team seems to struggle with his confidence more, probably in part because when Dubnik plays, he struggles with his confidence. Right. But Alex Stalock is the answer. And not trying to say this long-term, because I don't think he's a long-term guy, but he is the answer if this wild team does want to sneak in that one of those wild card spots. You know, Judd, I was, we, uh, Doogie and I were on Score North Live on Tuesday afternoon, and we chatted with former Gopher hockey head coach Mike Gensel, uh, whose son uh, Jake Gensel is a star in Pittsburgh. He's uh, suffered an injury right now, but uh, Mike is now a coach with the Arizona Coyotes, and we were talking, though, wild with him. And I asked him, do you think Staylock, you know, yes, he's on a great run here, but can, can he keep doing this? You know, can he keep putting up this run of success and possibly steal a series and, and, and propel his team into a cup run? And he's thought absolutely because, number one, he gives this team a new energy, right? I mean, there is a certain vibe about Staylock when he's in the locker room, when he's on the ice, that this team kind of is galvanized by. And also, I think Mike brought up this very great point that you have been hammering home forever. He is a six skater on the ice. He is able to play the puck when defensemen are pinching or getting hit on the boards. He is able to come out of his crease, get your team in transition. I mean, off the top of my head, Judd, how many goalies can truly do that successfully and consistently? And, uh, yeah, is, is Alex Stalock the long-term answer for this franchise going forward? Absolutely not. He just is not. But for right now, and hockey is weird like this, where I do ha- I can be talked into the fact that Alex Stalock is the guy for you to go on a cup run, and, yes, it, this is this could actually work. Well, you've got no choice. I mean, if you go out in the first round, you go out in the first round. If you miss the playoffs now, you miss the playoffs. But you are going to, as they say in my favorite song, ride or die with Staylock. There's no question about it. Dubnik can't be – he can't be trusted to play in games now. That's the problem. It's like you'd like to play him, you got a back-to-back or something, but that simply can't happen. And you don't have time for him to get his confidence back. And I, I think just as importantly, Declan – you don't have time for his teammates to get their confidence back in him because they do look like a different group. There are guys that look to me like they are playing with less confidence when Dubnik starts and that they're sort of looking over their shoulders to see if something goes wrong. And with Staylock and his ability to play the puck and energy that he brings to the ice, it's much more of a, it feels much more of a confident sort of north-south team. Um, Another thing that we learned on the West Coast, Declan Goff, I hate to say this, although I think you probably agree, oh it boy. is time to pull the plug on your guy and Jerry time. Uh, okay. Jerry time is over. Um, yeah, you yeah. called for this all season long. Jerry Mayhew, 40-plus goals at Iowa, the AHL, needs to get up here, needs to get his opportunity. Uh, he got one. He scored a couple goals. Then they brought him back up. This has been disasters too strong. Yeah. It has not been good. It's time to pull the plug on Jerry time. I I agree. And look, I'm still not going to be upset at the fact that he didn't deliver. I'm happy they gave him a leash, right? They gave him seven games. Okay, six or seven games of of top, top line, top power play time. And I believe he produced zero points. I just wanted you to figure out if this guy was legit or not. And, for, and if anyone thumps their chest that you were right about a quad A player being a quad A player, congratulations. What a hot take. I'm really glad you hit that one out of the park. Okay. I'm just glad he got the opportunity to go out and show if, is this worth exploring? Because right at the time, and still is, the Wild and Black true goal scores, and that guy's accomplished everything there is in the AHL. So I'm glad he got the time. I am with you. It's probably deemed to the penalty box or the press box or back to the AHL playoffs for the rest of the season. I'm just glad he got the opportunity, Judd, and that's what's most important to me. Scratched last game against the uh, Ducks as, as uh, Rask got back in, as we talked about. Rask scored that goal after being a healthy scratch 15-17 games. All right, uh, the last thing I've got that 
I'm calling this learned on the West Coast, but I guess it's not learned. It's it's a conversation I would like to have in the most unbiased way possible. This guy scored a goal on Sunday as well. And sometimes he makes plays. I'm like, that's a pretty good play. And he's been asked to move to center, and I get that because he is a uh, more of a natural wing. Alex Galchenyuk has me confused. Because there are times oh, when I go. see there are times when I see him engaged in the game, and I'm not trying to say that I think he, he should be an all-star. I think he was the third overall pick of the draft by Montreal, and he should not have been drafted that high. I get all that. But there are other times where I see him make plays, and I get center's not easy, but it leaves you scratching your head about what he's thinking or what he's doing. The unbiased conversation that I would like to start is not by ripping him, but by saying, I honestly don't know what to make of Alex Galchenyuk, and the more I watch him, the more conflicted I get on that. I, I get it, Judd. This is why I still think, and I don't, I don't think Galchenyuk's camp, and I could be wrong here, Judd, I don't think his camp is going to be in a position where they're going to ask the Wild or any team of, yeah, you know, he, uh, he went on a nice little run with the Wild there, so uh, we're looking for a three-year, three- to four-year deal, paying him about five to six AAV. Who says yes? And everyone is probably going to say no. But I think the Wild are in the best position possible here because he's getting comfortable, right? He went to Arizona. It just didn't work. He went to Pittsburgh. It just didn't work. Clearly, in a flash in the pan, what, six, eight game sample size, something is brewing here. I'm not going to say it's been firing on all cylinders because, like you said, he's had games where he's been on and there's been games where he's been off. But I think for him, he wants to be comfortable. And he's also 25 years old. This is still a younger guy. You don't see young free agents like this. And we're going to get down a list of free agents later in the show that are entering free agency at age 25, 26. And yes, the the argument might be that he wants more money. I don't think he's going to get it. And I think the Wild are going to be in a prime position to lock this guy up for two years at about two and a half AAV. If if I went to you right now, Judd, on, on July 1st, and I said, hey, you're going to get Alex Galchenyuk two years at 2.5 AAV. Would you do it right now? Here's my problem. Okay. I need to know more about him personality-wise. Because I don't know enough about him personality-wise to know why it's failed elsewhere and how he takes it. Um, as a player, just pure player, if I didn't have to be concerned about him as a human being, I'd probably do that. I'd also probably move him back to wing if I could. But... I'd like to know. I'd like to know more about why it hasn't worked out and how. Okay. Just the personality. I don't. I don't know enough there. And as Bill Guerin eventually uh, works on recon, or he started, but as he reconstructs this team and roster, I think personalities are incredibly important. And I think you got to be very careful about just taking on guys because you think that they might be good. I think you got to be very cognizant of what this group is going to be like. Who's going to set the tone? Who's going to do what? Because, you know, quite frankly, the last five years or so, we have seen probably some pretty talented teams that had bad locker rooms, and that ultimately has cost you. Exactly. So that's what I'd I'd like to know more. Would I do it purely on Galchenyuk as a player from what I've seen at the AAV you said? I probably would. That's not a bad deal. No, it's not. Oh, I lied. I got one more for you. Okay. Things we learned. Now, I did did learn this, and it makes me want to – jump out of the press box in Fort Myers, in which I am sitting right now, but I won't because I'd break my leg. Why does it, and I don't know why the West Coast always gets the best from him, but it seems to. 
Why don't we see the Jordan Greenway that we saw again for oh, portions boy. of Sunday's game? No, but I, he did it again. He I went know. to the West Coast again, and he threw his weight around, and he wasn't consistently great, and he's not a consistently great player. I'm not even asking that. But the engaged Jordan Greenway is a really nice asset to have among your forwards. And where this guy disappears to, I don't know. But whenever he is, you can tell opponents hate him, which is great like when he's that. playing hard. I like that about it. Yep, I like that. I mean, he will. Fighting is not a big part of the NHL in 2020, but he will fight. You can tell opponents hate that. There's a lot of things that Jordan Greenway, all he has to do is be engaged. And when he is, he does. He brings to the table. Declan, where the hell does this go? And why can't you? It's And to me, to me, I always thought to myself, well, Charlie Coyle's playing well because we, we always come back to comparing mm-hmm. um, big guys, right? So Charlie Coyle, Greenway. And I always thought to myself with uh, Charlie Coyle, if Charlie Coyle's playing well, he should really score more goals. Like I was always fixated on why is he not scoring more goals? Of course. But Jordan, but Jordan Greenway, I'm not. He's got this game where because he's he is more of a physical presence than than Charlie ever really hoped to be. Mm-hmm. So Jordan Greenway just has a physical presence that you absolutely love that throws opponents off their game. That's what I want from him. So if he scores, he scores. But if he just throws them off their game and plays hard, like Marcus Foligno does on a nightly basis, he is an incredible asset to have. And you get so frustrated watching that guy and thinking to yourself, there it is, there it is. And then it's gone for two weeks. Judd, I'm telling you, just bail. Just get out. Can't. Just, just get out, man. Can't get out on this guy. I don't know what it's going to. What's more likely? You agreeing with me, Galchenyuk, or you agreeing with me and Jordan Greenway? That's going to be a battle. I think you and I are going to be butting heads with over the next. I few can months. find Galchenyuk. Jordan Greenway has a skill set I like. I just, I don't, I, I don't want to do deal with this anymore. I don't want to deal with this twenty-two-year-old kid who can't consistently play well. You say what you want about Eck, okay? But he's been consistent. Luke Cunning despite the leg injury, has been really consistent and has off-ice intangibles yep. that are that are unparalleled, okay? Yep, yep. Kevin Fiala, there was a maturing process, but now it's, oh, my God, this guy might be worth an insane contract. Ryan Donato, jury is still a little out, a little bit in the Greenway camp, but I do know he can score goals. I don't know what Jordan Greenway can do consistently, and for that, I'm out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dangle him as bait to get something that I want. I'm out on Jordan Greenway. Can Sports Dad tell you a little bit of a cautionary tale? Of, on of course. I've always loved Greenway? Sports Dad talks. Yes. Declan, sit down. I'd like you to listen. Okay, to I'm sitting. Hold do you chair. remember, do you, <laughs> once upon a time, young Declan, there was a player named Marcus Foligno who was traded from the Buffalo Sabres to the Minnesota Wild. And young Marcus came to Minnesota, big physical body, not a great hockey player, but everyone said, well, yeah, but look at him. Look at the size. And his first season was nearly a disaster. He didn't, he was up and down. I felt there were times he didn't play that hard. And the trade that brought him here looked like a complete bust. And then in the second year here, Marcus Foligno, the light sort of went off and he became more consistent. And now I think he's one of the most valuable as far as all around players among the wild forwards. What if that's Jordan Greenway? What if the light, what if there's time for the light to go off? (sighs) Okay. So. From what I know about Marcus Foligno, and luckily we have some backstory from our friend Matthew Collar, who covered him in Buffalo. And Foligno was a first-round pick, had potential through the roof. I mean, the, just like a Charlie Coyle did, we all uh, there was times in Buffalo that he said everyone thought this guy was going to be the next big step, and he just never, ever got to that echelon of talent. Now, 
Foligno goes to Minnesota, really rough first season. The second season you saw, okay, you know what? Clearly we have got rid of the narrative that the ceiling will never be reached, but there is still a, a player in here that is serviceable. And then he took his game to a little bit of the next level, but I think really he just enhanced who he was. He's an enforcer. He's a, he's a great character off the, off the locker room. But if you look at the broad scheme of things on who Marcus Foligno was supposed to be, in my opinion, it's still a disappointment. It's an underwhelming view of what he was projected to be. And yes, he's turned into a nice complimentary player. I like him too. I like him a lot. But his ceiling was never reached, and he never, he plateaued. Okay, Judd, he plateaued. Actually, hey, Jax. Yes, sir. Fourth fourth round pick. Okay, fourth round pick. I'm sorry, not a a first round pick. Not a first round pick. He was telling me there was a trade, I believe, and I'm paraphrasing here. It was to get Tyler Sagan for Vanek and Marcus Foligno, and this was when both were in Buffalo. And Buffalo said no because they were too convinced that Marcus Foligno was going to develop into a star. Now, now hindsight's pr- that, that, that's a pretty horrible trade if you look back on it, because Tyler Sagan would have been a steal for the Buffalo Sabres. That's but, why the Sabres are crap. And, that's, why, and that's, a, that's a whole other novel in its own right. I get that. My point is, is don't wait until Jordan Greenway is 29 on his second team to be disappointed by it. Just get rid while his, people still think there's more to his game. Get rid of him this summer. I'm telling you, bail. Just bail. Can't do it. Sorry. Okay. All right. I'd rather bail on Galchenyuk and allow him to walk out the door. All right. Um, it's your turn now. You are going to, because we, we've been talking about this, the Wild has actually probably looked into potentially trading Dumba or Brodina at the deadline. They did not, uh, but we've still talked about the fact that almost certainly one of those two players this summer is going to have to be traded, and it's because of the, I believe in 15 months, the expansion draft with the Seattle Whatever the hell their name is going to be, franchise. That's um. I like the Kraken. I if it's the Kraken, I like it. I think it's cool. Sorry. That that's going to get players in the expansion draft. You sat down last night and did us the favor of doing the exercise of how this expansion draft could potentially work from the Wild standpoint and what they could lose and why they are probably going to have to. Well, Bill Guerin's probably going to have to make a trade. This summer. So take us through those scenarios. All right. So it's the same rules that was for Vegas. So you get two options: seven forwards. Three defensemen, one goaltender a team can protect, i.e. Minnesota. So you can protect seven forwards, three defensemen, and one goaltender. And the other option, I believe, this is me off the top of my head, but I believe it's eight skaters total and one goalie. So if you wanted to, you could do, you know, seven forwards and one defenseman if you wanted to go that route. The Wild aren't going to go that route. The 7-3-1 scenario I first laid out is the is the traditional one. I don't even know if anyone even did the second one for Vegas. I don't see it being a, a viable solution for anyone else. So seven forwards. Three defensemen, one goalie. You all have to protect players with no movement clauses. And you also have, these players have to be under contract through 2022 so that they can be, they can be at least controlled by Seattle for at least a year, right? So there's two players the Wild have to protect during that time frame. That's Zach Parisi, who has a full no movement clause, and Matt Zuccarello, who has a full no movement clause. Those are your two forwards. forwards. Yep, two, two forwards, forwards okay. you gotcha. have to protect. Your yep. defensemen. You have two defensemen who have no movement clauses. One's Ryan Suter, one's yep. Jared Spurgeon. I believe Spurgeon, towards the end of his contract, that doesn't become a, a full no movement clause. It becomes a limited, but it is full no movement by the time the expansion draft rolls around in about Same as Zuccarello. Yes. Same as Zuccarello. So that means, of the seven forwards, you have five openings available. And among the defensemen, you are only going to have one defenseman you can protect. So that means that if you have to protect Suter and Spurgeon, 
that once again, Dumba or Brodine will be exposed in the expansion draft if you kept them. Um, now, I believe Brodine is a UFA after this season, so technically he could be on the open market, but I would imagine that Brodine is going to be engaged in extension talks this year if he is not traded. So uh, here's what I have laid out if the expansion draft was tomorrow, Judd. These are the players that I would protect in the event of the expansion draft. So the forwards, obviously, Parise Zuccarello. The other mm-hmm. five forwards I would protect would be Kevin Fiala, mm-hmm. Marcus Foligno, mm-hmm. Joel Eriksson Eck, mm-hmm. Luke Cunnan, mm-hmm. and then a free agent slash acquisition to be, i.e., that's the top six center or whoever they're trying to acquire. And to be next clear, Kaprasov falls outside this window. He does not have to be protected, correct? You are correct. First and second year players are exempt from the expansion draft. So Kirill Kaprasov will be completely exempt. Even if uh, Kapo Kakinen got up here at some point this season or next, he would be exempt because he'd be a first and second year player. So they are not exposed to the expansion draft. So again, my forwards for you, Jed, I'll run through them one more time. Parise yep. Zuccarello, Fiala, Felino, Eck, yep. Cunnan, free yep. agent to be. Those are my seven forwards. And the three defensemen that I protect, yep. obviously Suter and Spurgeon have to be, the, be there by default. The other one's Dumba. Um, I protect Dumba because I think the Wild are actually going to move Brodeen. I, I, think, I think he is more of a player that pl- teams want. And Dumba is under control for $6 million, I believe for three more seasons after this year. And Brodeen's probably going to want a contract that's similar, if not at the floor, of Dumba's. And I just don't think the Wild are in a position to give a fourth defenseman $6 million per. And I, I think teams are going to be calling for Brodeen more than they are with Dumba. I know we can fight on that, and there's probably a lot of fans who say they'd rather have Brodeen on this team long-term than Dumba. I'm here. I'll, I'll listen to that. But those are my three defensemen. And then my goaltender, I'd protect Judd, will probably be Stalock, who will be under contract for one more season during that Seattle's first year, or... Future acquirement. So I have Staylock slash future acquirement just because Capo can't be exposed. And I yep. do see a scenario where the Wild get a new goaltender if they were to move on from Dubnik. Interesting. So, yeah. So I'm just uh, on cap friendly here looking at the contracts. Brodeen, yeah. Brodeen, just to be clear, is signed through uh, 2021. And he'll make, uh, he is on a six-year $25 million contract. He is making, he is a cap at a $4.2 million per season. But, yeah, so his final, the final year of his contract is next season. Right. So he could also, theoretically, you could just take him through the rest of the contract, and then he hits the market after that. So these would be the players, too, that I would put, have to expose. And again, I'm doing this on the, the, on the exposure fact. If this was tomorrow, this does change a little bit sure. um, because, of, because of some RFAs and UFAs involved. But if the expansion draft was tomorrow, these would be the wild players I would be exposing. It would be Jordan Greenway, Ryan Donato, Carson Soucy, Alex Stalock, and I threw Galchenyuk in there just for S and gigs. I, I figured that okay. I, I figured to have him in there. So yeah. So you said who again? Greenway. My exposing players would be Greenway, Donato, Donato Susie, Stalock, Galchenyuk. Those would be my exposing Did you say players. Stalock? Yes. Okay, so who who's your protected goaltender? Well, it, it would be Dubnik because I think he's got the full movement clause. So I'd have to protect him today. You know, if in the event of the okay. expansion draft being tomorrow, I, I'm doing it. I'm doing it under that theoretical too for the exposure part so basically what this does is this this stops this probably stops you from signing Brodine to an extension uh this summer and if you do it's a definite tip of the hand that you're going to expose Dumba correct and I don't think you're gonna well I and I don't yeah you don't you don't want to do that you know you don't want to expose Dumba I don't think you can afford it just exposing Brodine or Dumba if, if they're both under contract 
next summer. So that that's where I'm at with it. I think I think the the players that Wild fans would be upset that they're exposing are probably Greenway, Donato, and Susie. I think those one of those three players are are decent young players that you'd like to build around. But you're gonna have to expose somebody. And to be honest, I really don't think Judd that the Zuccarello contract is really affecting things that much here for the expansion draft team. I don't think the Wild are in a a more difficult position than they were two years ago. I think actually they're in a better position than they were two years ago. Well, the one thing that that they're not going to do and the rest of the hockey world won't is do two-for-ones with the expansion team so that you don't take one player. And then in the Wilds' case, you give up Paula, who went to uh, Vegas and had some immediate success, and you give up Alex Tuck, who turned out to be a better Charlie Coyle than Charlie Coyle was. So I think the, the one lesson that was learned, not just by the Wild, but really around the league, too, is this expansion draft, Seattle, the Krakens can't go to everybody and their brother and be like, hey, just give us two players and we won't take your one. That was the bi- the biggest problem. Uh, Dubnik, just to clear up his contract, is signed through 2021. That's the last year of his contract, which is a six-year, $26 million contract. So Dubnik will come off the books at that point then. But I don't even know, and, and he has a uh, mod- modified no trade. I- I'm very curious to see during the course of this summer what the uh, – upcoming summer, what the Wild does with Dubnik, though, because I just don't know that Bill Guerin is going to want to bring him back, and if he can if he can trade him for pennies of some sort, he absolutely might. But, yeah, I think your plan is pretty good, and I think you're, I think if we went down the path that you went down, and let's say Brodeen just plays his contract out, okay? Yeah. So he's not exposed. He's just not on the roster. Right. Uh, because he's going to be a free agent on July 1st of the year of the expansion draft. Um. I think Seattle probably either takes, in that case, I think they probably either take uh, Greenway, who, to your point, and it might not be a bad point, despite the fact that I wouldn't trade him, might be moved himself, uh, which would then expose Donato, which would be a gamble, but it's a gamble that you probably have, have to take. I don't think they take Carson Soucy. Um, and besides that, what you're painting a picture of, especially if Brodeen walks, is uh, pretty slim pickings. Exactly. So I, I don't I don't think the Wild are in that much of a hurdle as they were when Vegas rolled around. And like you said, I think that Seattle will still have a decent team. You know, the expansion draft rules are, are set up for teams to be successful that enter the league right away. But but there was a learning experience from other teams that were trying to orchestrate trades of under the table, like, hey, hey, hush, hush, uh, we'll give you this guy in a trade, but then please don't take X, Y, and Z. Because well, that's what the Wild. That's what the Wild did, and it, it yeah. backfired miserably. And then a bunch of teams that hadn't developed their players correctly tried to do the same thing. And in what two or three of those cases, Vegas got for at least one season guys who turned into star talents. Right, and I, I believe this is correct. You're not you're not required to take a team from exposed players. It's not a requirement. I believe that is correct. So, like, if 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 Seattle looked at Minnesota, like, yeah, we're good. I believe you are allowed to skip. You don't have to take a player from all 31 teams. Otherwise, you would have a you'd have a roster that'd be way too big. I know you can only take one, but I'm pretty sure, Judd, and I could be getting at mentions here in just a few hours after I've said this, but I'm pretty sure you're not required to take a player from an expansion team. I don't think it, I don't think it's a requirement. If Greenway is on the roster and exposed, I take him. If he's not, and my choice is Donato. Just because he shoots and can score some goals. Yeah, why not? I probably take him. And he is another guy that I hope to God in the course of the 2020 21 season, the Wild gives Donato a real opportunity here. I really, he's one of the guys. I Here's what I don't get 
why why does your guy Jerry Time finally get called up mm-hmm. and then be given an extended look, which he sort of was, um, an extended look on as a top six, and Donato can't get a sniff still. I know, I know, and, it's frustrating. But I don't understand it because they keep coming back to well, he should do this and do that. So you're telling me Jerry Mayhew was playing great, <laughs> yeah. like and and again, it's ridiculous because you're not. I know they're playing better, but you're not that good. It's not like you have this great team. It's not like you're in a situation of saying, well, of course he can't play. Look at all our great veterans. You don't have that going for you. So I would really like to see if the Wild is going to, to ultimately lose a guy like Ryan Donato in the expansion draft to Seattle. I would like to see them at least get a good, long, hard look at the kid playing top six and come to the conclusion, okay, he could score some goals, but he's not that good, as opposed to what I feel like is this very – well, let's see, and maybe we'll play him here, and then we'll play him on the fourth line, and we'll teach him this and teach him that. It's sort of a it's a weird thing, and next year we'll give you an opportunity, or should, to make a definite case that, hey, Ryan Donato's part of the future here, and he's a really good player, and we want to protect him. Or, yeah, you know what, that's fine, expose him. You know what, Judd, I know where this isn't the forum for it, and you're not the actual judge, but I'll make a write-that-down, which you do on Mackie and Judd's, with, with Rami, which you can hear from 4 to 6 on ScoreNorth, ScoreNorth.com, and the ScoreNorth app. I will write that down that Ryan Donato will score a game-winning goal in a playoff game this year for the Wild. Oh, Ryan Donato. Wow. That might be – all right, if there's a home run addition, I just, old, I just gifted you one. That's old school. That's old school 1500 ESPN billboard ballsy right Ryan there. Ryan Donato will score a game-winning goal in a playoff game. I could see that, though. You know what? I could very much see that because he does – the fact is, in fact, I feel like the past few weeks he's become a little bit more reluctant to shoot, which I really hate to see. But there was a long stretch of time there when he did get opportunities to play where it felt like he was one of the few guys in this league where, and I don't get it, I mention this every Judd's Hockey podcast with Declan, and I don't understand it, why guys are so apprehensive to shoot. But Ryan Donato for a long time there did feel like a guy who would cross the blue line and say, you know what, I'll just take a shot. So, that actually, that's a ballsy write that down. Love it. But but it makes some sense. It does. It really does, my friend. So feel free to steal it if you want, but just, just let you know, Ryan Donato is going to do it. Absolutely going to do it. All right, so that's your expansion draft. Yes, sir. And you know what? You are right. I will give, give you this. The more I look at this, and I am not absolving the Zuccarello contract. I hate it. I, I think know. it's awful. Yeah, it's, it's a bad. terrible contract. It would be nice to be able to get him to waive it. But the problem then is you're still uh, going to have to pay a bunch of Zuccarello salary. Uh, but you're right. It doesn't cripple you. Uh, it, it only cripples you if you were bound and determined, and they might have been, to try to get Brodeen, keep him, or get him back. Because um, if you could protect, you know, if, if you could have had the extra space to go, well, eight and one, right, in this case? Yeah. Because personally, well, I'd love to expose suits, but I can't. But if you go Spurgeon, Brodeen, Dumba, that, that'd be ideal. It does. It does. It makes things a little easier. All right. In our remaining time here, what is your uh, best guess now with the Wild, as I mentioned at the top of the uh, podcast here, sitting in the eighth and final wild card spot and what has been a completely topsy-turvy Western Conference race? What is your gut telling you right now about this team and, and a first-round playoff series, potential first-round playoff series? Okay, here's where I'm at. If it's Vegas, bring it on. That's where I'm at. If it's if it's the Vegas Golden Knights, bring it on. I think if it's the Blues or the Avalanche, you're going to have no shot. You might win a game. You may even maybe even take it to six, but you're not winning that series. If it's Vegas, I'm curious. 
I'm very curious. And I know they got Robin Leonard. They were big buyers at the deadline. I think getting Alec Martinez has been great for them, too. But just if you look at the nuts and bolts of both these teams, they are matched up very evenly. And I'm not suggesting the Wild would be the favorite in that series, but I can totally see a scenario where the Wild walk away from that first round with a playoff series win. Seven games, sort of a Probably. weird like it was against Colorado when Niederreiter scored the uh, yes scored the uh, winning goal, I believe, in overtime of that series. Yes, that's correct. On a great uh, yeah, breakout pass from Danny Heatley. Yeah, yeah, which was incredible too. But I can sort of see that simply based on on the fact too that the Wild has played Vegas tough. I certainly wouldn't pick them in that series, but that does make sense. Against St. Louis, I think they're sunk. Colorado, they should be sunk. Colorado's sort of a weird team at times. I don't get them. But the things I keep coming back to, and the reason why I just don't, I can't consider the Wild to be a legitimate playoff team, and I know that there's there's a lot of teams sniffing around playoff spots that probably don't belong. It's fun to watch them vie for the spots, Declan, but they probably don't belong. But um, the two reasons why I don't see Minnesota as a threat is one, goaltending, because I think if you have to play Staloc day after day after day in a playoff series, I think he wears down, and I think it gets to be too much. And to my point about the Ducks game, I don't think there's there's any hope of saying, well, let's just put Devin in and see what happens. Unless Devin turns things around mightily, and I don't know that he can, I don't think it's as simple as, we got Fernandez and Rollison, and they're both playing okay, so let's try to switch them off and things like that. Yeah, that That's number one why I don't take the Wild seriously. Number two is I just don't see how, especially against good teams, your centers match up. You know, Eck can check, and that's fine. So if you're going against a good center, okay, the Eck line can take that. Um, but if you're talking about filtering down beyond that now, and even when Stahl gets back uh, from being with his family after a death in the family, you know, and Koivu's on the fourth line, and that's fine, but what is Koivu in a playoff series? He can win some face-offs for you. Galchenyuk's now playing center. It's, I just don't think, I don't think your depth at center stacks up against good teams. Um, and here's the last thing why I don't think the Wild has any real chance. Okay. Uh, and we learned this on Saturday afternoon. And I believe it was Ryan Carter on Fox Sports North brought this up a few times. And he was dead on, and it was great analysis. The L.A. Kings put Anze Kopitar and his line on Fiala and basically said, you're not going to beat us. And Kevin Fiala was a minus four and had a rough game. Mm-hmm. And I'm with you. I appreciate the fact that post game Kevin Fiala came out and talked about it and basically said, that's on me. And I appreciate the fact he came back the next day against the Ducks and played a brilliant game. But you know what's going to happen in any playoff series. Same thing that happened when the Wild went up against the Avalanche and uh, Peter Forsberg in 2003. And they said, Peter Forsberg, we'd like you to meet number 37, I believe it was, Wes Walls. Yeah. And Forsberg's life was a living hell. And he was beyond frustrated. And Kevin Fiala, now, Forsberg was an aging player. Kevin's a younger player. And, you know, we might get to a point here eventually where Kevin Fiala is matched up against guys like Kopitar and it's like, bleep it, I'm still better than you are and I'm going to be great. But he's a young player who can get frustrated. And, Dex, when you go in, as you know, to those playoff series, those best four of seven, 
where it's just a grind and you got a guy in your face and it's the same guy night after night and he's rubbing your face in the glass and taking that smelly glove and putting it right in your nose. Yeah. Guys tend to melt down. Yep. So those are the three things. I think Kevin Fiala and, and and I still think Kevin Fiala has had a great year and I still think he is on a superstar track, but be prepared to hear from Mackey and the boys. If he gets slowed, if they get to the playoffs, because they're going to come back and say it's a random sport. You see, Fiala's not that good. Um, yeah, they already, just, they already had that written down for write that it, down. Exactly. But those are my three things of why I can't take this compl- – why I can't take it very seriously. I understand that. I totally get it. And I also just think Vegas, although they, they, have, they still have a good amount of players, I believe, that were on that cup run from just two seasons ago, they just seem – beatable to me um you know I, I they were my pick to win the cup in the preseason I didn't get the coaching firing in the middle of the year I think Rob Leonard is probably a, a safer bet for them and gives them more depth with flurry because like you said they're probably gonna roll both those goalies one if they ever lose a playoff game let's say Leonard starts game one and, the, and they lost Flurry's probably gonna come out for game two so they have that luxury I just think that if, if you match up with Vegas it's going to make things a little easier. It's a, it's more achievable. You have to climb a mountain. You still have to get there, and it's going to be You're tough. Right. But You're I right. like the chances of the Wild upsetting the Knights than I do against the Avalanche or the Blues. I think they got no shot against either of those clubs. I would agree. I just think it's going to be a different ball game when you get to a best four of seven. And I, I think the Wild has too many weaknesses, and there's things that, that you can definitely exploit mm-hmm. uh, that are going to be a problem. And, you know, keep in mind, too, you played a really crappy game and got very fortunate on Sunday against the Ducks team. I don't care what the record was of late. They're just not good. Right. So there are – that's the, the nice thing about this league, and we both love the sport, but you know as well as I do, there's a lot of crap. And when you play that crap, you tend to get two points or at least one sometimes. Yeah. And so when you eventually, when you eventually get to the, the playoffs, not saying the Wild can't play hard, not saying they can't win a game – but I just think that there's going to be a lot of things working against them. The good thing is that's going to really drive the point home that those things uh, during the course of the off season and perhaps into next season have to be addressed. Exactly. I think I think the good part about this stretch, Judd, is it's it's galvanized the fans a little bit and it's accelerated the rebuild to to be to turn things around in a lot quicker fashion. Do you think? Last thing, do you think fans care? I don't get the sense that no. I do think I do think it helps the team. I don't think I sense that there is a large checkout still. Yes. And the fans aren't coming back. And and I actually talked to a guy who's had season tickets for a long time uh, last week. And he basically told me because I ran my theory by him that, hey, the outdoor game is going to help sell more season tickets. He said, I don't think so. He said, I, I've got friends who are still planning to drop out. Wow. So, yeah, I don't know that the fans I don't think Craig Leopold understands that in Minnesota, once the fan base checks out, it's hard to get them back, and it's probably going to take a playoff run. And if Craig thinks the playoff run's coming, I would like to sell him some land I've got down here in Florida. <laughs> I, I, I'm with you. I, I think they're in the baby steps of it, but I think they're going to turn it around quickly. Awesome stuff, sir. Judd's Hockey Show with Declan. We are uh, done. We'll be back, of course, next Tuesday with a full-length show and uh, at some point in time here with what we like to call the one-timers. Declan? Pass, shoot, score. He knows he once ate an entire sheet cake. He knows your selfie life isn't your real life. He knows what goes down on the DMs. Shouldn't you know your dog better? Now you can learn his inner secrets with Embark, the highest-rated dog DNA test, unlocking over 350 breeds and screening for over 215 genetic health risks. 
Go to EmbarkVet.com and use promo code DNA. That's DNA to get $60 off an Embark Breed and Health Kit or Purebred Kit with free shipping. That's promo code DNA to save today.